This is Gary, and this is I'll Have a Beer and Talk, your weekly hangout with me while I tell you about interesting stories that you may have missed on the internet last week, all in the time it takes me to drink one beer. And it's not just any old beer. I take it upon myself to help you learn about the amazing taste experiences beer can provide by randomly choosing one each week from the mind-bogglingly diverse selection of craft booze that I have collected and stockpiled here in the All of a Beer and Talk bunker. And to help me with the choosing, I use a thing called the randomizer. And there it goes. It's going to help me choose a beer randomly, hence its name, the randomizer. The result is in. This week, I shall be drinking barrel-aged out-of-kilter and 8.2% ABV Scotch-style red ale aged in whiskey barrels, brewed in Akron, Ohio by the Hoppin' Frog Brewery. That's great, because it's like 85 degrees outside right now. That's a, that's a great match. So, uh... Out-of-Kilter is a Scotch ale, which I have to point out is distinct from a Scottish ale. You can look that up. I've explained it in shows past, but it's a fine distinction. Scotch ales are typified by a high alcohol content and sweet, caramely, roasty, and malty flavors. As I said, it's 85 degrees outside today, so this is the most inappropriate kind of beer I should be drinking on a hot day. That's what happens when I let a machine make decisions for me. This is my bed. I will have to sleep in it. Well, bottoms up. Okay, it is a nice brownish red, more on the red side, with a tan head, and it uh, smells very, very malty. Let's see if it tastes malty. Woo, boy, that is definitely a scotch ale. Wow, it's like eating a candy apple. Damn. It is very caramely, very, very sweet, and it's awesome, but it's not the thing you should be drinking on a hot day. Wow, i got to remember this for the wintertime. This is actually kind of awesome. The bottle has a picture of a frog wearing a kilt, which I am. Being of a Scottish uh, descent, uh, let's say I am drawn to kilts and heavy beers. So in case you missed it, Google I.O. 2017 happened this past week. And unlike in my show's past, I actually didn't take the day off to tell you my immediate takeaways from what was shown off at the developer conference. Simple reason, I didn't have enough PTO to take the day off. Anyway, here are the things that interested me from all the googly goodness that they talked about. A whole slew of new features were announced for Google Photos, their free photo backup and categorization service. By turning their AIs onto the huge user source collection of photos of cats, food, and whatever else people take photos of these days, they have been able to do some very clever things. The Photos app can now identify good shots you've taken of friends and family and can suggest sharing those photos with those friends and family. The feature is appropriately called Suggested Sharing. So instead of you curating certain shots, the machine will do it for you, for better or for worse. The AI-curated photo selections are also incorporated into a service called Books. 
As photos analyze your collection of pictures, it will suggest an album of photos that should make sense together, which you can double-check, and then the whole thing will offer you a printed photo book of that album. Prices start at $9.99, and they can be shipped to the real world in physical form. And if you just want to share an entire collection of photos for someone else to go through, or even share your entire collection of photos, well, there is now Shared Libraries! This is of particular interest for me. My wife and I take photos during papermaking classes for use on social media. So now we can just put those in a shared library and both have access to them. The most exciting feature of all this machine intelligence analysis of photos is, though, a new feature called Google Lens. The concept itself is simple. Point your phone's camera at anything, activate Google Assistant, and it will identify what it sees. Wondering what kind of flower that is? Point your phone at it, and the AI will scour its image database and tell you that it's a peony. Find yourself in Portland and wonder what that business called Casa Diablo is? Your phone will tell you that it's a vampire-themed vegan strip club, and it will even give you its hours of operation if you want to know what that's all about. Need to help your parents in troubleshooting Wi-Fi network issues? Really, you do. Crawl under that cabinet and take a photo of the information on the back of their router. Lens will see that information and actually log you into the router settings automatically. Their AI now has eyes. Good, I guess. Google Home also got more functionality, and one very compelling feature stood out. You can now use Home to make voice calls to any phone number in the United States. You can just tell Home to call your mom, and it'll call your mom. You can also set home to either a private phone number or link it to your mobile's phone number so mom will know who's calling. And if you have multiple users of your Google Home, it can use its recently activated voice identification feature to call your mom and not someone else's mom. That might be awkward, so I'm glad that they figured that out. All those features will be rolling out over the next few months. Other bits announced were a reference design for a standalone Google Daydream VR headset, one that won't require a phone to act as its screen, which is good for me because my next bit Robin phone is not Daydream compatible, and a new initiative called Android Go. Android Go is meant to replace its failed Android One program, producing low-cost yet fully featured Android phones to emerging markets like India. Android Go is a streamlined version of the Android smartphone operating system, specifically designed to work on phones with less than one gigabyte of memory to keep the phone hardware costs down, and it uses data usage monitoring tricks to deal with spotty and expensive data connectivity. So all in all, it was a very interesting I.O. Low-key and a distinct lack of sexy hardware reveals, but, you know, it's great. They're refining what they did all last year with I.O. But I'm okay with my decision to sit this one out. As I've mentioned in shows past, the I'll Have a Beer and Talk bunker is situated in an undisclosed location somewhere underneath Portland, Oregon. As such, I do drive into downtown Portland on occasion. I don't like to because as Portland's population is booming and shows no sign of stopping, the availability of parking downtown is rapidly decreasing. On the rare occasion where I find a parking space less than a mile from my destination... Then I have to deal with paying for the parking, just enough to cover how long I think I'll need. And if my plans change, I will have to run back to the meter to top it up. But I have to keep in mind I can't stay in the spot longer than the posted time limit for that block of spots. Yeah, on-street paid parking is terrible. Luckily, there's an app for that. And it's cat-themed. Hooray! Let me say that again, just in case you missed it. 
Parking in downtown Portland can be paid for via a cat-themed smartphone app, according to OregonLive.com. Parking Kitty, as it's called, works like this. For a 10-cent fee, you can pay for parking with just your phone and can also top the meter up remotely. And don't worry, the 10-cent fee is only applied to the initial payment for a particular spot. Top-ups will have no fee. When you find a parking space, you'll just need to enter your license plate number of the vehicle that you have just parked there, which if you want to, you can save in a profile, and then enter a four-digit code that is on the parking kiosk. You pay for 15-minute blocks of time, which you can top up remotely, up to the spot's maximum time limit. When parking enforcement comes around, they run the license plate of the vehicle to confirm if a payment for the spot was made. So how is this cat-themed? I'm sure you're asking. Well, reportedly, the app purrs when you make a payment and will meow when your time is about to run out. Okay. Why is it cat-themed? Portland Bureau of Transportation spokesman Dylan Rivera said, quote, We worked really hard to make it convenient and memorable for people in Portland to use. Portlanders are really into cats. Okay. Gotta pay for that parking, right? Meow. You know, I was into cats before I moved to Portland. Not only am I into cats, but I'm also into making paper. And maybe you would like to get into it as well? You can do that at this show's sponsor, Pulp and Deckel. Pulp and Deckel is Portland's only community handmade papermaking studio, and its mission is to keep the art of papermaking alive with workshops, demonstrations, and by creating and selling beautiful handmade paper products. Browse the rotating selection of papermaking workshops, check out membership options, inquire about custom owners, take an online recycled papermaking class, and check out all the things related to paper by visiting pulpanddeckle.com. That is P-U-L-P-A-N-D-D-E-C-K-L-E dot com. Mention I'll have a beer and talk and we might give you something special. We are inching ever closer in completing construction of our new teaching space and should be having a very exciting open house soon. You know, when I'm trying to find a shirt to wear every morning, I keep thinking, man, I really wish one of these shirts could double as a speaker. And according to Gizmodo, a shirt that can act as a speaker is now within our technological grasp. Late last year, Michigan State University Associate Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering Nelson Sepulveda and his team developed a thin and flexible device called a biocompatible ferroelectret nanogenerator. Because that is quite a mouthful, it's also known as a FENG, F-E-N-G. It is constructed from ion-packed layers of silicon, silver, and polyamide covered in a polypropylene ferroelectret foam. This gives the material the ability to, when deformed, like by being folded or crushed gently, to generate electricity, just enough to power small, simple electronics. They demonstrated a keyboard constructed from Feng that powered itself from keystrokes. They originally envisioned this technology to be incorporated into fabrics, creating clothes that could charge your gadgets. But while working with the material, they discovered it had another trick up its sleeve. <laughs> sleeve, fabric. Okay, it was bad. Anyway, those new tricks were detailed in a study that was published in Nature Communications. The material is so sensitive, it can produce an electrical charge when deformed by sound waves. This is significant because that means it can not only produce energy, it can also act as a microphone. An extremely sensitive microphone. 
one that could almost flawlessly recognize a human voice distinct from any other voice and be used for a voice recognition security system. And since it can perform as a microphone, it can easily perform as a speaker as well. A microphone is a reverse speaker, after all. In a demonstration, the team embedded the FANG into a regular flag, then passed an amplified signal from an iPad into the fabric. These sounds were reproduced with remarkable clarity, says the article. So yes, in the future, you could have your theme music blaring from your clothing. Hooray! Hey, here's some good news from Engadget. Engadget reports that one thing modern humans subject the planet to in order to serve our interests actually has a beneficial effect. In a study which is now appearing in the journal Space Science Reviews, it appears that very low-frequency radio transmissions, which are used to facilitate communications between the surface and submarines deep underwater, help shore up and stabilize the Van Allen belts. The Van Allen belts are a pair of radiation bands formed when high-energy particles from the sun entangle with the Earth's magnetosphere. Normally, the Van Allen belts get pushed away and into the upper parts of Earth's atmosphere, specifically the ionosphere and the plasmosphere, as it gets knocked around by space weather. If an orbiting satellite is unlucky enough to orbit into one of those fluctuating bands, it effectively gets a strong enough electromagnetic pulse to fry its electronic components. That's bad. Based on recent observations attained by the Van Allen probes, two heavily shielded spacecraft that monitor the belt's fluctuations have determined that those fluctuations have actually been diminishing. Statistical data demonstrates that the Van Allen belts have been being pushed back from the Earth since the 1960s, roughly when very low frequency, also known as VLF, radio started being used. The study believes that this is happening because the VLF frequencies are deflecting incoming solar radiation before it has a chance to be captured by the Earth's magnetic field, meaning it doesn't feed into and push the Van Allen belts back towards the atmosphere. Effectively, simply by communicating with submarines, we have stumbled upon a potential way to protect spacecraft from interstellar radiation. Raise your shields with radio! And it's not just the pulses of VLF radio waves that are surprisingly beneficial. Ultrasound seems to be able to help bones heal properly, according to The Verge. In a study published in Science Translational Medicine, scientists were able to heal a 0.4-inch non-union fracture in pig's bones in eight weeks without invasive surgery. This is a big deal because non-union fractures are when bones don't produce enough new bone tissue to heal properly, and then they require surgical intervention, usually with bone grafts or bone transplants with donated marrow, or by delivering bone morphogenic proteins, also known as BMPs, which encourage stem cells to produce more bone marrow, and they're usually delivered via a virus, which sounds cool, but also runs the risk of inflammation. The researchers in the study caused the 0.4-inch fractures in the shins of 18 mini-pigs, which could not have been a fun day. Then they installed a biodegradable scaffold into the shins to support the bone stem cells that hang out in that area. The researchers then let the scaffold sit for two weeks, allowing the bone stem cells to populate the scaffold. But the stem cells still needed to be activated into growing new bone tissue. So the researchers then took those BMPs I mentioned earlier and mixed them into microbubbles, then injected the bubbles into the scaffold area. With a quick burst of ultrasound, the BMPs entered the bone stem cells and basically turned them on. Eight weeks later, the fractures had healed properly with none of the side effects of those traditional methods. 
The microbubble ultrasound technique has already been approved by the Food and Drug Administration for use in humans, so the next step for the researchers is applying this technique to ligament regeneration. You know, this reminds me that cat's purring seems to aid in muscle and bone healing in felines. Must be something about those frequencies. Go sound! Maybe, just maybe, now hear me out, we could have those speaker shirts constantly emitting VLF and ultrasound frequencies, making a personal healing radiation shield. Hmm. Oh, and uh, patent pending. There is an old saying about Portland that, you know, it doesn't rain a lot, just often. Since I am a resident of Portland, Oregon, and have been for over a decade, I don't carry an umbrella. Umbrellas are for tourists. There's no point, and even in this future year of 2017, making an affordable umbrella that can survive undamaged from the tiniest gust of wind seems like science fiction. What would you say if I told you that by studying ladybug wings, we might get an actually usable umbrella design? It's true, and I read about it on Gizmodo. Did you catch the latest issue of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences? No? Shame on you. If you did, you would have read a paper published about research into how ladybugs fit their wings under their distinctive shells from the University of Tokyo. Assistant professor at the U of T's Institute of Industrial Science, Kazuya Sato, wanted to see exactly how those ladybug wings, which are longer than their body, folded up so neatly. This is of great interest to Sato, whose research work is to develop foldable structures to use in space-deployable structures, like antenna reflectors and solar panel arrays. By studying insects' foldable wings, their solid yet flexible structures may be able to be copied. Ladybugs are of particular interest in this regard, Sato explained to Gizmodo in an email. Compared with other beetles, ladybugs are very good at flying and frequently taking off. I thought their wing transformation systems are excellent and have large potential for engineering. To get a better look at how the wings work, Saito and his researchers had to get creative. High-speed footage of ladybugs retracting their wings didn't provide enough information, so they then tried to create a 3D-printed artificial wing, which they found very difficult to produce one thin enough to do their tests. So they decided to make ladybug shells transparent. They took a UV-cured resin, normally used in nail art, and handcrafted a transparent replica of the shells, transplanted them onto some ladybugs, then put the bugs in a CT scanner and recorded them flexing their wings. It turns out ladybug wings have no joints. Instead, they have bending points, analogous to how a curved tape measure can bend, which they extend via stored energy in the veins on the surface of the wings. Saito explained that transformable structures usually require a lot of joints and rigid parts, but that the flexibility and elastic nature of the ladybug wings achieves the complex transformation with very simple structures. Sato hopes that this research can be applied to engineering solutions for robots and satellites, and also umbrellas. Closer to home, umbrellas are also interesting targets, Sato told Gizmodo. I have no concrete design image, but believe that beetle wing folding has the potential to change the umbrella design that has been basically unchanged for more than 1,000 years. Go science! As may be obvious, I like having a beer and talking at you once a week, but... Spoiler alert, it's a lot of hard work, seeing as how I research, write, record, direct, and produce the show all by myself. 
So how about lending me a hand at making the show? You can do that in all sorts of ways, but here's the three which have the most impact. First, my voice is for hire, so hire me. I can do voiceover work, voicemail messages, mediocre acting, bad singing, and some adequate audio production. If you feel you or someone you know might have a use for the best part of my body, which happens to be my voice and my brain, let me know. Email me at gary at pulpanddeckle.com. That is G-A-R-Y at P-U-L-P-A-N-D-D-E-C-K-L-E dot com. Rates are reasonable. Plus, this show is on iTunes, the most visible and popular podcast distribution platform in the world for some reason. If you rate my show, and might I suggest giving it five stars, wink, it'll show up as a suggestion for people who are looking for new podcasts to listen to. And the more people that listen, the more they might be willing to lend me support, like by helping the show financially on Patreon. Yes, if you believe my drunken ramblings about beer and technical knowledge for about 15 to 20 minutes each week is something that you enjoy and is worth at least $1 a month, you can become my patron at patreon.com slash ihabitradio. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash i-h-a-b-a-t-r-a-d-i-o. Want to see me review beers and tech in the futuristic format of video? I can't do it without acquiring new devices. And I unfortunately can't do that without monies. So go to patreon.com slash ihabitradio and throw some money at me. You'll be joining other very charismatic and, might I say, attractive people who already support the show. And to those cool prudes, you have my thanks. And if you're like me and are actually quite shy in the real world, you know what? Just, you know, drop me a note. Let me know you like the show. Because that'll make me feel really good inside and keep making the show. Next week, I will be recording the show not in the I'll Have a Beer and Talk bunker. I will be in an undisclosed location in the wilds of the Adirondacks. Somewhere in Saratoga Springs, New York. Exciting. It might be an eight-ounce episode, just telling you up front. Um, got some family stuff going on. Good stuff. Um, but my time may be con constricted. Although, against my better judgment, I'm actually bringing all of my studio equipment with me on the 12-hour flight from the West Coast to the East Coast. So, we'll see what happens. Tune in next week. And I can't believe I just had a scotch ale when it's really hot outside. Oh, well. Please tell your family, friends, neighbors, animals, plants, aliens, ghosts, and alien ghosts about the show. And then they can find it on Google Play Music, on iTunes, on Bottomatic, on Stitcher, and on Spreaker. And please send me feedback, story suggestions, and beer recommendations to Gary at PulpandEckle.com or on the Twitters and Instagram at iHaveItRadio or even on the Facebook at Facebook.com slash iHaveItRadio. It's time for me to go. I will see you in the future. Bye-bye!